Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. Hey, it's good to see you all. If you don't know me, my name is uh, Rodney. I can see a few new faces here. It's good to see you and good to have you here this morning. I assure you, this is not planned. We didn't, Pastor John and I, we didn't plan this, but we... Uh, uh, we are inspired by the same author this morning, it looks like. Just, uh, I, I myself has been, uh, have been inspired by Bob Goff. Uh, he's an amazing uh, Christian author. And uh, just like the way he talks and the way he writes his books, it's just amazing. He's a very practical guy. And just recently, he inspired me to, to take up something new in the recent years. He's, he's inspired me in one of the other books that I read. Uh, inspired me to do something New, build a new skill in my life, uh, do something that I've never tried before. So this year, I did something new, I tried something that I haven't tried before, and that is join our very own, uh, one of our very own special interest groups, In that is our book club, our book club, Tony and Jenny's book club. And uh, I must say, we have a fantastic book club. We have a great bunch of people in that, and what's amazing is that we can place our coffee orders on WhatsApp chat. <laughs> our next meeting is in April, and already we have uh, placed our orders on, the, on that WhatsApp chat, and um, I'm just hoping that when we get there, the coffee will be ready, and we'll be just ready to get in and discuss the book. The book that we are reading is also great. It's a, it's a, it's a good book. It's, a, it's by an author, an Aussie author, named Stephen McAlpine, and the title of the book is Being... The bad guys, being the bad guys, how to live for Jesus in the world that says we shouldn't. How do we offer the gospel to those around us who view it as not only wrong, but possibly dangerous? Yes, that's the world we, we are living in. But in all this, we know that Christians, as Christians, we are not to be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? We are not to be ashamed of the gospel because that is exactly what is more liberating and, and fulfilling and joyful. And that's the only thing that um, the world needs right now. That's what the world needs. And, and despite being seen as the bad guys, there is a desperate need right now for the truth to get out there. Even if it means for us to, to go out there and be seen as the bad guys. Something I think that is expected of us. And we need to become good at being the best bad guys. We need to be good at being that. What we can't afford to do is abandon faith. We can't abandon the Word of God. The Word of God which, which goes out and, and frees us. The Word of God will always remain the truth. And we, as Christians, we can't be watering it down just so that we can fit in the world. That's the truth. The reason why I'm bringing this thought this morning, since this month, as you all know, most of us, we know that we are following this theme, the work of the Holy Spirit. I want us to look at another one of the most amazing work of the Holy Spirit, something that only the Holy Spirit can do and, and bring in the hearts and lives of people, a subject that is opposed by the world. A subject that is rarely preached in our churches today. A subject that if we discuss it amongst our peers at, at our workplaces, it can 
be frowned at or often laughed at, a subject that confronts us with our sin. It requires us to bring our dark things in our lives and, and bring it into the light, and that is repentance. Repentance. So this morning, our message is titled, Kindness to Repentance. What I want us to look at when I talk about repentance is what it does in a person's life. What repentance does in a person's life, and that it is truly God's kindness. It is only Him who allows us to experience the true, true repentance through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I think it's really important for us as, as Christians to fully understand repentance. To fully understand what it means. Because we are living in times where sorry, and by the way, when I say sorry and repentance, they're two different things. But we are ourselves living in a times where sorry in itself has, doesn't hold much value to many people. It doesn't hold much value the other day, I was with my wonderful wife, my beautiful wife, Anushka, and we were having coffee. This was just Friday. I um, ordered a couple of cappuccinos, two cappuccinos, medium in size, extra hot for Anushka, with soy milk. And uh, the coffee came. The, the person who brought the coffee, I noticed that Anushka's cup was a little bit smaller than mine. So I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll just make it known to the person. Uh, Anushka was fine with what she got. She was okay with it. But I said, oh, you know what, I'll just let her, let her know just in case if she you know, makes the same mistake to someone else or whatever. So I called her kindly. I said, um, excuse me, just wanted to let you know that um, we ordered two mediums. And uh, there's one small there. But that's okay. It's okay. You know, we, we, we're fine with it. And... Uh, I was surprised by the response that I got from her. The response that I got was, well, it's only 80 cents. I can make you another one. And what got me, I was very confused. You know, I was expecting a response. If I was serving in, in back in the days I used to work in those kind of areas in, in or hospitality, I would have gone up and said, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Um, would you like me to do something about it? That would have been... The response, that, that was the response that I was expecting, but the response was obviously, oh, it's only 80 cents, do you want me to do get, get you another one? I came out very confused from the cafe that day. <laughs> I was very confused. You see, we are living in a time where being sorry is becoming out of fashion. Being sorry is becoming out of fashion, and if sorry is becoming out of fashion, what about repentance? What chance does repentance have? But I am glad that it is God's loving kindness through the work of the Holy Spirit that He brings mankind to repentance. Yeah. It is His work. No matter what the world thinks about Christianity, about the followers of Jesus, God is still at work and He continues to be good. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, He brings us to correction. He brings us to correction through His loving kindness. And with patience, He continues to draw us Towards this, out of our self-centeredness, and he brings us to repentance so we could fully and completely turn to him. Amen? When we explore the word of God to learn about the meaning of repentance, what it simply means is turning away from sin. 
turning away from disobedience, turning away from our rebellion and turning back to God. Through God's loving kindness, through the work of the Holy Spirit, He, he brings about a turnaround of purpose in the hearts of every person, a sincere and thorough change in a person's deep-rooted qualities and character in all of our characters, changing us uh, in regards to sin. In regards to sin. From my own experience, I can tell you this, that repenting is not easy. Repenting is not easy. And if you are honest here as well, all of you, if you are honest about this and you're saying, hey, listen, I have repented before God as well. And yes, it's not easy. Why? Because we are confronted with our sin. We are confronted with our sin. Repenting is not easy, but it is necessary. It is necessary because it is for us for today. It is in the Word of God. It is something that cannot go out of fashion. It is necessary because it is the will of God for everyone. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3.9. It says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. It is necessary because it is a command of the Lord. In Acts 17, verses 30, it says, while God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now He commands people everywhere to repent. It is necessary because failure will result in eternal death. Luke 13.3 says, unless you repent, you too will all perish. It's not all doom and gloom in the scripture. The scripture also talks about this, that when you repent, it brings great joy in heaven. Luke 15, 7 says, In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and heaven straight away. It is necessary and it can only be birthed in our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. And when He does, a definite change, a, a turning around, a turning away from and a turning towards God moments take place in our lives. This morning my aim is simply to show us through scripture just some of the ways, some of the things that take place when we repent. Let me take you to Luke 19, a very well-known story about a man called Zacchaeus. And I'm reading the NLT version, Luke 19, 1 to 10. 1 to 10. Blah, blah. My, sorry about the pronunciation. <laughs> Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. 
Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to his, this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. The first thing I want to talk about is that repentance involves a change in view. Repentance involves a change in view, a change in view in regards to sin, in regards to God and in regards to ourself. When we repent, it changes the way we think. In the early days, when I first started a church full time, uh, we didn't have the care hub back then. And so someone turned up at the uh, office door asking for help, to which I was happy to comply, as you would expect me to. <laughs> and uh, so I sat her down, and there was kids as well, sat her down, went to the freezer upstairs, took a, a, a nice frozen meal out, put it in the bag, went to the cupboard, uh, went to a place where we got our, uh, just a small uh, food voucher where they can go and, and get some essentials from, just from down here at Woolies. I gave that to her, and uh, as she was about to leave, I said something along the lines of this, can I pray for you? And can I talk to you a little bit about Jesus? And the response that I got, why would you want to do that? What has he done for me? As you can imagine, that would have been a shock to my system. She was clearly agitated. So I let her be and, and let her be on her way. And my first, first thought, uh, because I'm not perfect, was that, why did I do that. Why did I give her? I shouldn't have. And da, 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 da. All these thoughts started pouring in my heart. Hey, listen, I'm not perfect. And see, I showed kindness in the physical, but in the spirit, uh, in, my, in my spirit, I was doing the opposite. I was doing the opposite. And I started to think all the, all the wrong sorts of things, you know, how rude and how she was so wrong. Oh, and by the way, this illustration of repentance is not on her. It's on me. Yeah. It's on me. I am the one who needed repenting in this case. I needed to change my ways, my view on how I regarded those whom I gave, regardless of what they thought. Regardless of what they thought. It was only through the work of the Holy Spirit that He allowed me to see my mistake and, and change my view on those who hate the Lord. If He is patient with them, he, he in His loving kindness, He still died and gave His life for that woman, even though thinking, knowing what she would say on that day in front of me about Him. If He could do that, then who am I to think otherwise? Who am I to think otherwise? So he says, at that moment, saying sorry does not cut it. Saying sorry to the Lord does not cut it. What God wants, what the Holy Spirit does, he, he not only helps us recognize the sin, but works to change our view about it so we can see how God wants us to see and behave. When Zacchaeus faced the kindness of God, when he faced Jesus, who, by the way, knew him by name. He knew him by nature, what he was, who he was. 
Just one encounter with the goodness of God allowed him to recognize and acknowledge his sin. Brought him to a place of true and sincere repentance. Immediately there was a change in his view regarding what he used to do and now what he needs to do. Repentance involves a change of view in the way we think so that we can act in a God-glorifying way. When we repent, we experience godly sorrow is the second thing I want to talk about. When we repent, we experience godly sorrow rather than worldly sorrow. I was talking to a, a friend, a counselor friend, and we started talking about marriages and, uh, and how there is so much struggle in, in, in couples these days, during this time especially. Some are starting to show signs of the worst outcomes in the near future. Sadly, in Australia, the statistics say that they, apparently there's 33 percent of marriages that end up breaking up and, and, and divorce. The top three reasons are communication, lack of commu- uh, connection, and infidelity. Unfortunately, when the, the counselors, when they ask the question, what are you sorry about in this situation that you are in right now? The answers are, we are sorry for having to come to this place of divorce, or we are sorry about Losing our livelihood, our house, our, our assets, or, or, or we are sorry for losing our kids. These are the answers. You see, these are signs that they, they were regret, regretful or showing remorse. When you know that your actions have brought you to a place that you didn't want to or you didn't expect to be. You are sorry about what is happening around you. What needs to happen, there is a a realization that, yes, it was my fault. That, yes, I I could have been a a better husband, a better wife. Maybe I should have put in more effort in in, in how I communicated. Maybe I should have put a little bit more effort in in the way that I connected with my family, in the way that I showed love, and the way that I, I came together with my family. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring about godly sorrow towards sin through repentance and not just regret or remorse. I think this is a great example from Scripture. When Jesus tells this parable, it's found in Luke 18. I'd love love for you to go and read it at home. Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. About this Pharisee and a tax collector. They both went to the temple to pray. They went... There and, and, and the Pharisee, he had great confidence in, in himself, in his own righteousness. He was the one who prayed, exalting himself in front of God. And the other, Jesus said, the other beat his chest and he was in deep mourning and repentance. It says the text collector didn't even lift up his eyes up to heaven. His simple prayer was, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. The text collector was repentant because he really knew and recognized that that deep down in his heart that he was a sinner and that he could only be at God's mercy to receive his forgiveness. A deep longing to be forgiven, a deep unmistakable feeling, a godly sorrow within him for sin. 2 Corinthians 
chapter 7, verse 10. Let me read this to you. It says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Scripture is clear. You see, there is no telling about this godly sorrow I'm talking about. There is no telling about this, this feeling, uh, what this feeling is about for each person or how to measure this emotion. But what I know is that what, what the Holy Spirit does is He brings about a real stirring deep in our heart, deep in our spirit to help us distinguish between true godly sorrow and the worldly sorrow. The one that comes deep down from our heart. Asking for repentance, asking for forgiveness, and the other is just being ashamed or feeling sorry and, and, and knowing and realizing our mistakes. You know, the Holy Spirit, what He does is He promotes us in a real working of carefulness and obedience. He creates in us a desire to make things right, a desire to do the right thing. He promotes that reverential fear of God, just like the tax collector running to the Lord and throwing himself at his mercy. And that's God's loving kindness for us. No matter how big, how small our sin, God made a way for us to return to him. And the Holy Spirit is readily available to us to show us to him. Worldly sorrow will make us focus on us what we have done wrong and what we can do to make things right. Godly sorrow will allow us to look to God and look at how He, through Jesus, has made it right for us. Yeah. And finally, this morning, repentance involves a change of purpose. When we repent, we read earlier, it leads us away from sin that results in salvation. True repentance through the work of the Holy Spirit brings about a change of purpose. It takes us out of our self-centeredness and lines up with God's purpose. The classic example that I want to want us to be reminded of this morning, the classic example, one of my favorites, in Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. We all know this story. The youngest son demands his share of inheritance from his father. It's a, it's a, it's a taboo in those cultures back in the days. Why? Because that asking for your inheritance while your dad is alive, it's basically saying that you are dead to me. And that's breaking God's fifth commandment, dishonoring your parents. He goes on to celebrate his lifestyle, goes into the distant land, the scripture tells us, does some of the unthinkables, spends his share, ends up in deep trouble, ends up becoming a slave, feeding pigs. Another thing that in those days, in that culture was just really bad even it's those 
scraps that were meant for the pigs. At this point, he realizes. He realizes something. He, in, the, in this condition, he realizes that he has sinned against his father and wronged him. Here's what it says in verse 18. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. In verse 20 it says, So he returned home to his father. You see, sin's purpose is to keep us in it until we perish. Repentance purpose is to turn us homeward back to Father God. Repentance is turning away and, and turning to God's loving arms. And it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It was His kindness that even though we did, didn't deserve Him, even though we didn't deserve him he gave up his son his one and only son and left his throne up on high so that he can come down for our sake to die for us and make us right with father god it is his kindness for us that today today we have his holy spirit he has poured out His Holy Spirit for us that leads us to repentance. Who is always ready to show us the way home. Repentance in a Christian life or repentance in any life cannot get out of fashion. needs to be our lifestyle no matter what the world says no matter what the world thinks about Christians that we are the bad guys great let's be the best bad guys that there is but let the kindness that God has showed us all permeate in that world Let's close our eyes for a minute. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray in a minute. Before I do that, I just want to make this call out to anyone in this house this morning that does not have a real relationship with our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to assure you that when you stand in front of Him, He meets us with His kindness and His love. And I want you to experience that. Experience God's loving kindness. Experience that, that wonderful relationship that He provides for us. He brings us back to Father God. Hey, listen. The Bible talks about this. The Bible says when we receive Jesus, we have an abundant and and faithful and full life I want to also assure you that when you go to Tuesday, on Tuesday to work and say I've become a Christian you'll be laughed at you'll be laughed at 
comments like this will be said, why'd you do that for? It has happened. It will continue to happen. But the truth is that we need Him because He is the only way, the truth in life. If there is anyone in this house who's saying today that, hey, I want to come into this relationship, this right relationship with Father God by receiving Jesus. I'm not going to ask you again. I'm just going to ask once. I've got two guys who's just keeping an eye out so that we can come afterwards and pray with you. Why don't you lift your hand up this very second? Thank you, Lord. Father God, we are so thankful that you allow us by the work of the Holy Spirit to repent. turn away from our sins, Father, and turn to you where you receive us with your open arms. God, I thank you that your powerful Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts this morning. Wherever we are, whatever situations we are, whatever we may carry, God, there is an answer for that that answer is coming back to you in repentance. By your grace, Father, I ask that we'll come to you always in every situation and find ourselves in your open arms. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.